Okay, guys, just a little bonus, kind of how I did with the dive in the 1985. This is the run through 1991 bonus. These are movies that I did not cover, or some of them are. Some of them I covered, again. But most of these movies, uh, 14 films, are movies I watched from 1991 that I did not cover in the run through 1991 series. These are movies I covered through my weekly reviews, and some even before, such as Basket Case um, 3, The Progeny, or Dream Stalker, or Zombie 90. These are ones I covered before I started doing the weekly format. And even I got one in there for my DVD Fiends days. So that's over 10 years old, I think, for Bad Karma. So basically what I wanted to do is just kind of include some of these movies in their own video. I cut it up, took all the video files from everywhere and cut it up into kind of its own little segment like I did with The Dive in 1985. For people wondering why I didn't cover these movies, I already covered them. And for the most part, I knew that they weren't going to be in my top 10. So basically, yeah, this is just a bunch. Popcorn and Delicatessen, I did recover, probably recover Bad Karma. But yeah, so, so you guys know, uh, this is just a little bonus 1991 uh, video. And remember to watch um, uh, the or listen to the podcast on 22 Shots of Moods at Horror when we do our top 10. Uh, Moods is going to be on there, JP, Jeremy, and of course Derek and Carly as well. So it'll be a reunion from the 1985 show, and it should be fun. And I don't even know what my top 10 is going to be yet, and I certainly have no idea what my top 25 is going to be. But So enjoy. This is going to start off with the older ones first, so you can watch me get old. It's going to start with the DVD Fiends review of Bad Karma and end with Revenge of Billy the Kid. So, yep. Mr. Parker to do uh, DVD Fiends Rio. It's week one oh uh, one oh three, almost two years. To next week will be. I was gonna do this for my own channel, but I decided uh, I'll do it for this channel because I don't have time to do all these reviews. But the movie I'll be reviewing is Bad Karma. This is a, a German edition, released in two thousand two. I got some help with uh, Preston from Facebook. He sent me the link to buy this because I really wanted it. This actually comes with four shorts on there by uh, Alex Chandon, who directed uh, Cradle of Fear and uh, Bravella. Uh, the four shorts are Bad Karma. These movies are known to be like splatter, like early British splatter stuff, which is really cool. Uh, some people credit the first splatter film or something like that as Bad Karma. But Bad Karma basically is, they're all really low budget, really gritty, really fun, uh, awesome stuff. Bad Karma basically is uh, about a group of religious higher Krishna people that uh, are shape-shifting killers and they need to kill a certain amount of people before a time and it goes crazy. They end up killing all these people at a party and the one's really awesome because he transforms into like this thing with claws and starts killing people over the top gore and uh, at the very end there's an awesome showdown in an S&M club with uh, some punk guys versus the monsters and these rednecks bust in all sorts of ridiculous stupid cheesy gory fun ensues it's only 30 minutes short so it gets straight to the point at one point one of the things transforms into this giant blob thing on the back like right there with all his teeth and it's like it looks like he's just dancing in there if it's not it's just like and eating and shit it's funny consider some of our beliefs
one swap. Lager. 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 Yeah, Dame. Yeah, Lager. Great. So Slager's all round then, yeah? Yeah, Dame. Hey, Mr. Parker here to review a new one from Synapse Films. This is the Blu-ray release of Basket Case 3, The Progeny. Uh, leads right off where Basket Case 2 left off. Essentially, Belial and Eve are expecting, and uh, they move to a small little town. Uh, all the freaks and Granny Ruth go to this small town where they know a doctor named Hal, who is essentially going to perform, you know, uh, the pregnancy, uh, give the birth to help give birth to these uh, little creatures. So essentially, what happens is uh, the police community catches, you know, whiff of them, and there's a kind of a war between the small little police community and the freaks. Uh, this one is uh, even goofier than the second one, if you can imagine, and uh, kind of even plays a parody kind of on Aliens, aliens which is uh, bizarre. But all these Basket Case movies, two and three, kind of have this kind of parody uh, angle to them. Uh, the special effects in this one I, are about just as good as the second one, maybe a little bit better on the animatronics. Uh, they lose the character of Frogman and the Gargoyle, but they add like three or four new characters. So you got even more freaks running around and being bizarre. Uh, there's a lot of uh, more elements of goofiness and comedy, I think, in this one. Uh, maybe about the same as two, but I think that some of the scenes are even more over the top. Uh, the group sings the song Personality on the Bus, which is absolutely hilarious. They go inside a fast food restaurant. This movie definitely has that early 90s, late 80s, like cheese flair, that I, I would call it pizza flair kind of feel to it which is just a really really absurd and bizarre and quirky and uh, I really dig that kind of stuff and Bass Case 3 is is no exception I enjoyed it uh, uh, quite immensely it had been over 10 years since I seen the movie and uh, I remember it being my least favorite of the trilogy I don't think that's true now I kind of love them all uh, at this point but uh, on the disc there's only uh, a theatrical trailer that's all we get as far as features are concerned which is a little of a letdown but that's fine uh, the movie looks looks pretty good uh, there's an H it's an HD from the 35 millimeter uh, print from my understanding it looks good it sounds good the monsters look uh, goopy and gross as usual they looks like there's a little bit of different designs on some of them some of them seem to be more like I said animatronically inclined like their eyes blink more and the one with the kind of long neck kinds to actually moves this time instead of just kind of being in the background not doing anything uh the the freaks actually talk a little bit more in this one so that, so there is a, a kind of a more personality here uh Dwayne, uh, the actor, uh, is still pretty much just as crazy as he ever was. And uh, yeah, it's also fun that you get little uh, baby Belial's in here kind of for the little creature aspect stuff. Granny Ruth is great as usual. So it's definitely a continuation of part two and feels definitely in the same vein as part two. Uh, the sheriff in the film, the main sheriff, reminds me of an Andy Griffin type deal. And uh, there's a pretty good special effects and like I said the gore and stuff is very cartoony eyes bulging out of the head twisted faces uh, heads getting popped off stuff like that the movie flows by pretty quick it's an hour and 29 minutes uh, there's nudity in this one which was uh, not present in the sequel the second one as far as I could tell and remember I'm pretty sure it's no, no real nudity this one has a very you know 90s kind of sleazy uh, big boobed girls in bikini kind of flashback with Belial that plays for jokes and it's kind of funny but uh yeah 
it's again a nice cool monster mashup where you'd want to see where the story would progress with the freaks taking over the world uh, fortunately there was never a basket case for but uh, you know we're lucky enough to have gotten three of these movies it's got to be the most bizarre horror franchise ever uh, and these movies will always you know be remembered by me for sitting on the, the shelves the video store shelves and just sticking out and just being an oddity in the video store and an oddity uh, of celluloid but yeah that's basket case three uh, you know, pays pays a little bit of homage to stuff like aliens in there, or parodies aliens and things like that. And uh, again, it, it pushes the, the this big city grind that Heaton Ladder always is known for farther back as we go into a little small town community where the freaks are, and I kind of think it's all a lot of fun that way. Uh, the special effects do kind of remind me of something like Freaked, if you, anybody's familiar with that movie. I don't know which one's more obscure. I don't think either of them are, but Freaked or the Basket Case movies. But yeah, it's kind of in the vein of that, just more R-rated. But yeah, if you guys have never seen Basket Case 1, 2, or 3, I'd, I'd really recommend checking them out, especially if you like goofy, weird movies that have, you know, lots of cool... Uh, you know, creatures and designs and just a lot, lot, lot more fun. Yeah. But uh, regardless, goopy, gory, silly, uh, outlandishly weird is uh, Basket Case 3. I'm Mr. Parka. Thank you very much for watching and have a good one. And coming to video cassette April 9th, he's back to rip the lid off your rentals. Belisle, one of the most popular figures in horror film history, returns in this masterpiece of the outrageously macabre. Basket Case 3, The Progeny. The stunning sequel to the profitable hits Basket Case and Basket Case 2, both rental winners on Billboard's Top 40 Rental Charts. And we're offering a three-for-two offer. Receive a copy of Basket Case 2 with every two-pack of Basket Case 3, an $89.95 value. Just when you thought it was safe to open the basket. The makers of Basket Case 1 and 2, Brain Damage and Frankenhooker, bring you the continuing tale of brotherly love in Basket Case 3. Dwayne and Belial are back, and there have been a few little changes. I'm gonna be an uncle? Sit back and hold on tight. This is one road trip you'll never forget. And 23 peach bombs. To go. Granny Ruth and the gang are heading south to meet up with some old friends. Bye, Sugar. And old family. They've come together to witness the miracle of childbirth. The stork has landed, bringing a bundle of joy to some. Really? And a bundle of cash to others. We came out here to get a million dollars, and that's just what we're going to get. He's a freak, Daddy. His brother's a monster. What the hell are they? These must be his puppies or something. This is one plan the sheriff should have aborted. I think they're hungry. Because Dad is mad. And he's taking no prisoners. The little town of Peachtree Valley is going to have a showdown. You give me Belial, I give you the baby. For Dwayne, Belial, Granny Ruth, and the rest of the family, this is the mother of all battles. The Bradley twins are back, and getting even was never better. This is going to be some family. Basket Case 3. It's time to build a bigger basket. 
The final movie on here, Zombie 90, made, I believe, after the first Violent Chip, well, yeah, in between Violent Chip 1 and 2. Uh, Zombie 90 Extreme Pestilence. Uh, this is actually the dubbed version, the comical American dub version. I never saw the sub version, uh, but this movie is pretty awful, to be honest. The dialogue, the dubbing is so over the top it's supposed to be. Uh, it's just stuff that's like second grade humor. It's not very funny. Uh, the one guy speaks in this really... Uh, uh, exaggerated homosexual accent, and the other one uh, speaks in this uh, obviously trying to be an African-American accent, and they're both just two white guys that don't look like they'd have that voice at all, or act physically like they would have that voice at all, but uh, it's so over the top, it's trying to be funny. It, uh, to me, it's not funny. Some people may enjoy it. Uh, the gore is not as good as violent shit, so there's that on there, so it's not funny, and it's not that as gory as the other ones, so I just was really bored with throughout the movie, but uh, there's a couple inventive kills, like uh, the camera's inside a car window, back window, and the axe comes to the zombie's head and smashes it into the window. Enjoy that kind of stuff, but definitely guerrilla-style filmmaking, some bad cuts, some bad edits, you know. A lot of this is amateur hour, but, you know, this one is particularly worse, and when he, in Violent Shit 3, he peeked out, he was doing all these clever camera tricks and stuff, like, it's just clever, fun stuff, reverse and stuff, I, I love the hell out of it. But uh, this one I thought was a little worse. It was made, you know, right after Violent Shit. So, And uh, then there's some bonus features for uh, Carl the Butcher on here. The premiere, which is a concert, some behind the scenes here and there, and a teaser and trailer. So all that for about 15 bucks on Amazon. You can't really go wrong uh, with that. But yeah, uh, I'd say check it out, especially if you like shot on video movies. Or if you like... Uh, you know, cheap stuff or splatter. It's a must, especially for the price. Uh, it's worth it for Violent Shit 2 and 3, and, you know, give one a spin, too. But, uh, yeah, these are, you know, I guess I'll say, dare I say, classics in the splatter world, most certainly. But uh, this director would go on to do Anthropophagus 2000 and some other one, Nikos the Impaler. So, you know, he, he's been in the splatter uh, game for a long time. So, yeah, this is a nice set from Synapse. Again, like I said, it's region all. But uh, it is in widescreen, so if you if it bothers you that they changed the original aspect ratio, uh, you know, you, you I don't know, maybe hold on to your old DVDs. I'm not sure if they're in the original aspect ratio, but they don't include part four, and they I don't think they include Zombie 90. So, yeah, uh, check this out from Synapse Films. Uh, there's a written review on Demons of Celluloid Blogspot if you want to check it out for me. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Oh, good morning, Dr. Brian. Morning, Dr. Simon. What's up? We have to use the show as a way of destruction. What do you mean? We have to evenly, totally destroy the brain or separate the head from the rest of the body. Did you hear that noise? I'll check it out. I don't know. I wouldn't go out there if I were you. Oh, baby, I got to go out and take a dump anyway. And I can just find a nice big fat relief to wipe my ass with. Hold it right there. Stop, I'll shoot. This is the same substance as scientists invented to fight the AIDS virus. I guess an overdose of this substance is going to cause a reanimation of dead tissue. You believe the machine was carrying the reanimators? I sure do. I'm going to go look for some of that food in the forest right now. Come on now, let's see what we got over here. Let's go down this road. Yeah, yeah, they're right in here. Turn your signal off, man. In a 
world as good as they used to. I love the smell of zombies in the morning. <laughs> Mr. Parker here to review two from Intervision. Yeah, these are both two shot on video movies. Uh, I had not seen either. I had heard of Dreamstalker. And uh, it's Dreamstalker and Death by Love. This is a double feature. They're shot on video, so you guys know the quality. Uh, yeah, let me get into this. Uh, they say this is uh, on the back. It says, two of the most insane SOV shockers of the 90s on DVD for the first time ever. You know... I wouldn't disagree with any of that. I'll get into Dreamstalker first. Uh, Dreamstalker follows the story of a, a happy couple. One's a dirt bike racer, uh, the uh, the lady of the relationship. Uh, she keeps having these weird nightmares where her uh, Ricky uh, dies and uh, Ricky is threatening towards her. Uh, it ends up happening that Ricky does die in a dirt bike accident and... Uh, but he gave her this uh, music box, and uh, somehow she has this weird kinetic energy, according to her psychiatrist. And uh, this this kind of kinetic energy brings Ricky back. Uh, Ricky turns into like a wisecracking weirdo killer with half his face melted off, and he comes in and starts slashing and hacking anybody that uh, causes her trouble or gets too close to her. Uh, the movie's really inept, really weird, uh, really crazy, and uh, there's all sorts of bizarre stuff uh, with these this kid camp where she's staying at across the. Uh, the the woods or something like that and all the kids are jerks and uh would be rapists and in fact most of the men in this movie come off really really sleazy in fact the whole movie's super sleazy uh but What's funny about it is uh, every time the, the kill's about to happen, uh, you hear the music box, and it's part of the soundtrack. It's really bizarre, really weird. Uh, there's lots of like really goofy one-liners that are so over the top, uh, and, and it's so bad it's good in that kind of way, really cringeworthy stuff. Uh, he comes in. I know this doesn't sound funny, and it's not really funny, but uh, it's so weird and bizarre. It's just... Uh, kind of awkwardly funny uh he uh rapes her in one of the dream sequences and uh he's like oh no the condom broke oh well and it's like i don't i don't even know how to address these kind this kind of weird bizarreness uh there's not that much uh gore in it here or there it does seem like a lot was cut out uh and uh this is actually you get you get to hear why a lot of this was cut out with interviews on the disc but uh, regardless, it is really inept, really insane, uh, really sleazy, but goofy all at the same time. Uh, and uh, there's definitely some dangerous things going on in the movie. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people would enjoy it uh, if they're in a mood for just something so batshit crazy. Uh, a group of people might get a, get a hell of a kick out of it. But uh, the special feature on this uh, are an interview with the lead actor. And this is this is what made me like the movie, actually, is this the lead actor... And he talks about the movie, how he's just like, you know, you know, he's not really proud of it, but he kind of just is like, yeah, that, uh, he's like cringing, but laughing at the same time. And that's exactly what you can do with this movie, cringe and laugh at the same time. There's also an interview with the producer on here, and both the, the actor and the producer seem down to earth, nice guys, and uh, I like what they had to say. Uh, it makes the, the movie better, actually. I miss Ricky. Why did he have to die? He's been dead for over three years now. Oh, I miss him. Just last week you were speaking of these reoccurring nightmares. Tell me about them. Frankie, he was a dirt bike. He started to chase after me. I was terrified. I tried to get away from him. She can't take anymore. Stop it. Stop.
whenever I dream about someone, they die. No one should wake you. You need your rest. Hey guys, the next one here is Samurai Cop. Yeah, I think everybody knows what Samurai Cop is. Uh, I never saw Samurai Cop. I must admit, I'm not a huge fan of those movies that people like to watch and cringe during. Like, I, I never had an interest in seeing Birdemic or The Room, even if I have them both. I just, I, I, I kind of stumbled across them and ended up getting them. There's just something about them where I'm like, everybody's laughing at this, and I just don't get it. But occasionally, some of those movies were really, uh, I'll really enjoy because I, I they're entertaining. Hack-A-Lantern, for one, is, uh, these, these, these types of movies tend to happen. They're just completely batshit crazy, and they're made by foreign, uh, directors who don't really understand how America works, but they think they do, and there's no, there's no telling them any different. So they go out and make this really bizarre movie, like Halloween, uh, uh Hack-A-Lantern, and Samurai Cop. Samurai Cop follows the story of this new cop, in the area, and his partner, who uh, basically get in this giant gang fight with these uh, crazy uh, samurai group. The, the bad guys are ridiculous, the dialogue is ridiculous, the performances are ridiculous, but you can't really hold it against any of the actors because they were following the director's orders. Uh, the editing is choppy, everything about it is super bizarre, the dubbing's weird, the guy's wearing a wig at one point because there's reshoots. Uh... It's it's so funny how people die in this movie. It's almost like a kid in a school play who doesn't want to be dead in the play, so he refuses to die. There's points where the guy gets shot and he grabs himself in blood, and he keeps... It's just hilarious. I laughed out loud. And typically, like I said, I hate this kind of stuff, this kind of cringe, let's laugh at him humor, but this is done so genuine that it's absolutely hilarious. The interviews on the disc, you learn that the the, the actors knew it was messed up. They would just get uh, takes where they, in an office, say, now show me a... a funny reaction and they'd have to do it and when they finally saw the movie they're like oh no it's ridiculous but uh the, the lead yeah, are good sports they talk in the special features they seem like they look back on the moments and are glad they did it uh the director also did a movie killing america style which is also super ridiculous and the funny thing about samurai cop is that you're like oh this is gonna be really silly it is yes but it's super sleazy and there's tons of action it's just absolutely ridiculous at one point a guy gets set on fire and you can tell it's not the same guy he looks over at the camera uh, there's a, there's a lot of, there's, there's as much as nudity as they could pack in here. Uh, and it's shot so gratuitous. You can tell the director's like, yeah, you're going to want that skin, but, uh, it's hilarious and, uh, it's vastly entertaining because the action never stops. The goons are over the top. They're just, they're just pulsating creepiness and sweatiness. And it's, it's an early nineties movie. It's absolutely ridiculous, complete nonsense. Uh, Robert Dazar's in it. Uh, they speed up the fight scene at the end with the samurai swords, uh, you gotta see it if you like action and uh, you like just weird off-the-wall dialogue, especially the exchange he has, uh, Samurai Cop has with a nurse, then you'll love this one. It's inept, it's stupid, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, I don't always love these movies. Dangerous Men uh, by Alamo Draft House that they released, I didn't like that one. It was just too bad. It was just too boring. This one, uh, it's worth your time. Are you Fuji, Fujiyama? Yes, I am. Who are you? I'm a cop. His real name is Joe Marshall. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. 
He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. Would you like to fuck me? You're the one that talked me into bringing this moron from San Diego to fight the uh, Japanese Katana Gang. Bingo. I want him dead. I want his head cut off and brought here. Have you been circumcised? Yeah, I have. Why? Well, your doctor must have cut a big portion of it off. I want his head on this piano so that every man in my organization understands once more that no katana gets captured alive or talks. Got that? How did you know I'd come home with you? Let's just say I can read eyes. I feel like somebody stuck a big club up my ass and it hurts. I've got to figure out a way to get it out of there. But let's hop right into the reviews. The first one I'll be reviewing is Popcorn from Synapse. Yeah, Popcorn was made in 1991. This movie had a, a huge uh, kind of buzz like in the last five, ten years because the DVD went on a print which from from Elite and uh, everybody kind of had fondness or fond memories of this movie and uh, they were ecstatic when Synapse announced that they were going to release it. It did take a while but it finally hit uh, Blu-ray. You know, Synapse doesn't do it if they're not going to be able to do it right and uh, they did the movie justice. Uh, if anybody's not seen Popcorn, like I said, it's a 91... Uh, uh, slasher and it definitely has that uh, 90s horror late 80s early 90s really zany and off the wall weird movie uh, a bunch of college kids uh, they decide to do a all night horror movie a thon uh, by using these like uh, they're going to do like 50 style horror movies and incorporate the gimmicks like the, the 50 style horror movies they're going to use some of those uh, and incorporate the gimmicks in the crowd to get everybody there uh, that part of the movie is really endearing and really great uh, the, fi the films within the films are the highlight of the movie including one about a giant mosquito one about electrocuted man uh, very similar to the old universal horror movie that one stars Bruce Glover. Bruce Glover is amazing in this. He's a great character actor. He just has a lot of fun, and I loved his performance. As for the actual main feature, what they find is this kind of lost film. Uh, Jim Sholin and, uh, is in it as well, and she kind of sees that this kind of brings back memories. She has these strange dreams, and uh, she realizes that this uh, person in this film is uh, somebody she knew from her past, maybe her father. Uh, it starts to bleed into reality. She starts seeing this weird cult leader from the movies in real life, although he's supposedly burned down in uh, the theater years ago. Uh, it, it, the slasher stuff in here is all right. Uh, but uh, like I said, the highlight is the films within the films. The movie has a strange score, this uh, kind of uh, Jamaican score, because the movie was shot in Jamaica, and it bleeds through big time. A lot of the extras you can tell are Jamaican, the music, everything about it. Uh, surprisingly, Bob Clark produced this movie, and Alan Ormsby was originally going to direct it. Alan Ormsby's in uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, and Bob Clark actually directed Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, Death Dream, Black Christmas, Porky's, Christmas Story. He's got a, a huge, great resume, and uh, you know, I can't tell. I don't really see that many Bob Clark influences in here, but Bob Clark's one of those kind of strange guys that I, I can never necessarily see all his influences except the super Canadian ones. Uh, but yeah, the, this one actually had a troubled uh, production, and you can kind of tell in the script some of the things are uh, laps of reason, even though Jill Schoen holds her own when these laps of reason happens. It makes it semi-believable. There's a character in here called Toby, the actor I can't think of his name, but he popped up in stuff like Surf 2 and uh, Better Off on... better No, One Crazy Summer. He's kind of a zany, weird character actor. In this movie, he gets a lot to do, and he, he does a, a nice, manic, yet sympathetic performance, a really unique performance. Uh, the FX in here, the special effects are really cool, really fun, especially 
especially the 50s style gimmick stuff they incorporate. And some of the deaths are inventive, although not horrifically gory. This movie like flirts with the PG-13 line for sure. Dee Wallace is in it as well. It's nice seeing her. She holds her own as she always does. There's a commentary on here, which is cool with the cast and crew. There's also like a beefy making of as all the people that are still alive interviewed. They talk very openly about the movie, how Bob Clark was in there, and there's a Alan Ormsby directed the films within the films. There's also an interview with Bruce Glover on here separately. Uh, it's a nice release, although the movie's not completely like perfect or anything. It's zany, it's different, it's weird, and if you like this movie, if you're the type that will like it, you'll love it. You'll have a, a very a strong fondness for it because it's super bizarre. It feels like it's uh, paying homage to the 50s uh, drive-in movies, B-movies, movies in the 90s which uh, two really strange decades to mix and it all takes place in jamaica and all that bleeds through so it just creates a very uh very odd film and it, and it shows but it's, it's really cool synapse did a great job with the picture quality and it sounds pretty damn good too that's popcorn before the horror of halloween before the fear of Friday the 13th. Before the evil of a nightmare on Elm Street. Before them all, there was... Now, 15 years later, he's back. Oh, yes. There's something happening here that I've been looking for all of my life. There's smoke. Someone takes her hand. She's running. The same man comes towards her. No! I'm in Dreamland. I remember. I remember the whole thing. Buy a bag. Go home in a box. The next one here, this is a bootleg, so uh, nobody get excited. It's not on Blu-ray. I do have the DVD of it. It is Body Parts by Eric Red. Eric Red did Bad Moon. I always like Bad Moon. Uh, I never got a chance to watch the DVD. I just kind of watched it on HD. I believe it's on iTunes. If I'd have known that, I probably would have just bought that. But it's cool that I had this disc. Uh, so I put this in as Jeff Fahey in it. It's uh, Brad Dorff that's in it. Uh, Paul Ben Victor from stuff like True Romance and Tombstone. So yeah, I, I, I put this in. It's about a psychiatrist who uh, he ends up getting in a car accident and losing his arm and he gets this, uh, this weird... Uh, donor. He doesn't know where the donor is and uh, pretty soon he starts to realize something's not right. And uh, he realizes that he got the arm of a killer. So he starts uh, kind of realizing he starts to wonder where evil lies. Is it in the skin? Is it in the blood? Is it in your sight? Is it in your brain? And uh, he starts to question himself. It's nice because he has that he's a psychiatrist so he realizes, man, Am I? You kind of ask that question: Have I always been messed up, or is this arm making me crazy? Um, of course, the arm is kind of super powered, and it is a state of the art, uh, you know, a medical treatment. Uh, he seeks out the other two people that receive one of the arms and somebody who received the legs. And uh, Brad Dorff is this painter. He received the arm, and he's drawing all these crazy things. But he hasn't killed anyone. He doesn't have any of these violent tendencies. And uh, the guy with the, the legs. Um, 
he's having some muscle spasms, but that's it. So Jeff Fahey starts to question more and more as he gets more violent towards his kids and his wife. Uh, and then uh, the crazy stuff starts to happen. I don't want to spoil anything after that, but uh, murders start to happen. And, uh, you know, signs point to him at first. You think, is it him? And it gets really, really crazy. Brad Dorford's got a really intense uh, performance in here as this crazy painter. And he's just, his eyes, You could, he acts so well with his eyes. He's intense. Uh, the acting's top-notch. Jeff Fahey's tremendous in it. And usually when he gets a chance to act, well, he really does. Especially in something like Planet Terror and this. But uh, this one, I, I was really impressed with his performance. It's probably one of the best uh, I Got a Bad Transplant movies I've ever seen. There's a lot of those, you know. Uh, and they do it well in body parts. They do it a couple times. The, the Toby Hooper's segment with the eye and Stacey Keach with the hair, which is priceless. But, you know, it's it's one of those deals where I got a bad piece of body part and now I'm crazy. But uh, the ending of this movie is batshit. It goes way over the top. It doesn't feel like it's going to go there. I'm like, this is a nice, like, psychological horror movie, like maybe something like The Dark Half. And, and then, like, like The Dark Half, it goes completely bonkers in that, at the end of the movie. Uh, regardless, I enjoyed it. I like seeing Paul Ben Victor have a nice role in here. Uh, a, a nice, uh, kind of intense role for him, which is really cool to see. And Jeff Fahey does a tremendous job. Acting's great. Uh, and the gore scenes, when they do happen, they're there and they're, they're pretty nasty. Eric read, uh, the two movies that I, I know off the top of my head that he did, uh, the horror movies at least, I'm, I'm satisfied. I, I thought they're, uh, solid-ass movies that, uh, I think Bad Moon gets the recognition it deserves, but, uh, not not sure body parts does uh the the letterbox is a little low i think it deserves a little higher than that but that's body parts uh check out the trailer well, i'd appreciate it if you'd uh if you'd send a, a copy to all the members and indicate that, uh... Bill, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be just fine. lost your arm in a car accident yesterday. We've transplanted another arm for you. How does it feel to have someone else's arm? Dad, it's sort of gross. Well, that's not how it looks. It's how it works, right? I think there's something the matter with me. Oh! It's the arm. Billy! What's going on? There's something wrong with the person I used to belong to. You have this guy's arm. You don't have his personality. I want you to run my prince. Any past record I had would show up on the printout, right? You put a killer's arm onto my body and you didn't tell me. That arm can't do anything you don't want it to. How do you know that? Where does evil live? Does it live in the soul? In the mind? Maybe it lives in the flesh. Maybe you got some kind of demon inside of you these days. Why doesn't anybody want to ask any questions about these operations? I hit my kid. I tried to strangle my wife. I have nightmares every night. I want this arm off! Don't you realize what I and my team have accomplished with that arm? Take the kids and go to your mother's. Don't pack. Just go now!
history here. Okay, the VHS Voyage this week is, I only have a bootleg, The Channeler. Yeah, this is made in, what, the late 80s, I'd say? 1990. Okay, and uh, you, do, you guys know who's in this? Take a guess. He's in last week's VHS Voyage. That's right. Dan Haggerty. It's a Dan Haggerty double dip. Back-to-back Dan Haggerty's. <laughs> okay. Um, this movie right here. Man, where do I start? I don't even know where to start. Okay, we have a group of people going out to uh, kind of explore these mountains um, to study them. I don't even remember what they're doing out there to go into the coal mines and study these old coal mines. They were closed down for some reason. The townspeople know what's wrong with it. Nobody's supposed to go out there, yada, yada, yada. This movie literally takes 45 minutes to get started to any action in here. Dan Haggerty is kind of this old, um, I guess you'll say, what do you call him? Um, Not hobo, but... uh, whatever he is he's out there in the outskirts and he doesn't want anybody to bother him and he doesn't want anybody to go to these mountains but over time he comes around and he helps these people out because some of them get injured with an accident because somebody's a jerk uh well i'll say about this movie is surprisingly the characters are uh fairly well established they all seem like different people they all seem like genuine characters at times uh some of the dialogue is actually very funny and better written than you would expect uh, especially the girl who's supposed to be kind of like the promiscuous kind of sexy girl her dialogue is actually really funny and her reactions to the whole events are funny as well she drops the f-bomb quite a bit and she freaks out and she's like screw that stuff like that uh her her performance is pretty good dan haggerty is always likable he's solid uh there's a character in a bar who runs a bar owner he's brother with dan haggerty he kind of establishes a decent character as well and the lead male in here is actually i've seen him in other stuff pops up in a bunch of movies can't think of any off the top of my head also a fairly well likable character uh there's a scene in here with shoehorn nudity for no reason whatsoever it's just like three second clip of a girl showering outside out of place not complaining about it though Maybe they figured people were getting bored. I was getting a little bored. I think everybody probably was at this point. But uh, uh, it's such a strange movie. The Channeler. This One of the per- people in the movie starts to feel this weird force about it. And uh, there's a weird flashback of this somebody ha- something happening in the mine. And there's these weird creatures with these long arms and these weird robes running around. And uh, there's a point in this movie where I laughed out loud. Watching the whole thing, I literally cracked up laughing. Um, where one of the characters is channeling, of course, and his, the voice that comes out of him is so stupid, it's so stereotypical, and so like deep and bellowed that I just started laughing out loud hysterically. Um, I just watched this movie a few days ago, and I don't remember all that much, if that tells you anything. I mean, it was on VHS and it, quality. It didn't look particularly too great. But what I will say about the movie is I did enjoy watching it. It was very stupid, and... Uh, but like I said, it is basically people wandering through the woods for way too long before anything happens. But uh, the the creatures do look a little scary. Uh, there's stuff about mine horror and, you know, mountain kind of cave-in horror. Stuff like that is kind of creepy to me. Dan Haggerty's okay in it. Uh, a couple of the characters are, you know... They're kind of douchey, but like I said, they're all pre-established characters, and they're all, you could separate them. It's not one of these movies where everybody's a carbon cutout. They're all a little unique, a little different. I didn't hate it. I would buy a Blu-ray because I'm insane, but I don't know if I can really recommend The Channeler, but I know that a lot of people probably haven't seen The Channeler, and I know a lot of people probably haven't talked about The Channeler this much, and I don't have much to say about it except, you know, it's a little goofy at times. There's bar fights and stuff like that. Uh, 
it tries to establish some very strange plot. It's just a, a very weird movie in general, and just a, kind of a movie that probably re, uh, remain in obscurity. だが、彼らは禁断の領域に踏み込んでしまった。大神秘の奥深く恐怖のゲームが幕を開ける。金力殺人遊戯。This is weird you guys. This is really weird. 人間狩り。この罠から もう誰も逃げられない襲いかかる謎の邪教集団原生林を舞台に繰り広げられる壮絶な戦いエロスサスペンスアクション Okay, guys, the next one is the VHS Voyage, and I cheated a little bit because this is the laser disc of a movie called Strays. Yes, this is a 1991 killer cat movie. <laughs> I can't have a killer dog movie and not do a killer cat movie. But okay, Strays. Um, surprisingly more serious and well-made than I expected. I was like, oh, this is going to be really stupid. And it reminds me of, like, Leprechaun. I don't know why in that isolated area and they find these snakes in this kind of, like, uh, run-down house. Not run-down house, but old house, kind of isolated. This is a plot of, um, I believe he's a lawyer and his wife. They move into this new house, but they don't realize that what there was there before was being fed by some old lady. And there was an evil cat that was like the ringleader. It killed the old lady. It's still running around the town, uh, this house. And some people start to get hurt. Some people start to die. And it's up to them to fight this uh, cat. That's the plot of the movie. It's not overly gratuitous. It's not overly violent. It, it kind of puts it at a, like a PG-13, I believe it's at. And there's only a couple deaths. Um, the deaths aren't like overly gory or not, but they managed to do a pretty good job. In the opening of the movie, they kind of screwed it up. I thought that the idea that maybe this old lady was feeding these cats, she ran out of food, the cats turned on her, would have been a better way to make these cats go feral instead of just having an evil cat right off the bat. I was like, you know, the movie's fairly like, tries to be realistic. I know it's not realistic. It's just a movie. But that idea was just the only time they really, really jumped the shark in the beginning is that this cat is just evil <laughs> but there's a really great moment uh, where they call a veterinarian because their dog was hurt by one of the cats and the veterinarian is actually played by the um, uh, if anybody's a big fan of The Hidden this is kind of obscure not the movie but the reference uh, one of the guys who's possessed in The Hidden is this older gentleman who ends up picking up the boombox and like farting and he has like the bad heart in the hospital he's in this and uh, he gives a great comic performance as the veterinarian and uh he, he's really funny and it was great seeing him and i recognized him while watching it and i was like oh that's oh that's the guy from the hidden and it's a great performance of both these movies he's really a treat to see that guy because i haven't seen him i don't remember him too much i know i've seen him in other things but i don't he doesn't come to mind all the time um kathleen uh Cleveland's in this so that's kind of funny as well but there's also this element of a lawyer drama because he's representing his wife's sister and his wife's sister kind of has a thing for the lawyer yada 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 that's going on the family's pretty likable the husband the wife the kid 
And they set up some genuine scares, and I like the setting of the house with the rain at, at points in the movie, and like water is what keeps the cats away. It's it's stupid once you if you think about it for more than thirty seconds, but there's only so many ways to skin a cat when you're making a killer cat movie, if you know what I mean. Not bad, not great. I would recommend it. I'm probably coming in at like a six out of ten for Strays. Um, I'm pretty um, generous when it comes to killer animal movies because I do enjoy them quite a bit. The Jarrets have finally found their dream house. Well, it does have a certain charm in an Amityville kind of way. Now, it's about to become their worst nightmare. You know, what you found in your bedroom sounds like uh, dominant male marking his territory. So what are you telling us? We have a wildcat living in our backyard? They've been around people all their lives, so uh, they're not afraid at all. <laughs> They have nine lives. We only have one. Kathleen Quinlan, Timothy Busfield, Claudia Christian, and William Boyette. Strays. Okay, this one I had heard about for years, but had never seen it. It is, there is nothing out there. This is also a Vinegar Syndrome release. I didn't get a chance to watch the features, so there's a million of them. There's like four commentaries. There's a million features on this thing. Didn't get a chance to watch it. It's part of their uh, trauma deal, I believe, but um, there is nothing out there. Now, let me say this. This is one of these movies that has a reputation for being, you know, meta and way before Scream and explaining the horror genre and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. Wasn't before on Mass Part 25, though, I'll tell you that. But uh, there is nothing out there. It follows the story of, uh, I think, six or seven kids that go to this cabin, and there is a weird, strange little creature alien that's attacking them and sliming them. And there's a character in the movie that's well aware of the horror tropes, and he knows that something's wrong, and that's pretty much the plot of the movie. He keeps pointing it out, and a lot of things just play into it. There's a couple really funny gags in here where a group of punk, a punk rocker band shows up, and they jump in the pool, they start skinny dipping, and which adds nudity. There's some nudity in this movie. And they say, what are you guys doing here? And he's like, oh, we're, uh, you know, the lake uh, by the campsite. We're here for the lake by the campsite. And he's like, this is the house by the cabin. Is it, oh, so isn't like, oh, sorry guys. So they leave and they're obviously like Friday the 13th, like cannon fodder, which is really funny. And probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, to be honest. Um, some of the jokes land, uh, the, the, the little creature is great. I like him. He's cute. He's funny. Besides that, the movie feels kind of repetitive and kind of boring. Um, the lead guy in here, he, at first, um, you know, he's pointing out the horror tropes and you might be like, oh, that's fun. That's cute. But he just is despicable at the way he keeps insulting everybody. It just loses, it wears out its welcome pretty fast. Uh, it, it's okay. To be honest, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, it, it, and I appreciate, you know, that it was ahead of its time for certain reasons, but just because it was ahead of its time doesn't necessarily make it a great movie is that is, is, you know, cause some movies are a product of their time and they're unfairly treated for it. But this movie was ahead of its time and it deserves recognition, but it doesn't automatically make it a, a winner to me. And like I said, um, there's some weird like rates with the camera too, and I guarantee it's not vinegar syndrome. I think it was just the way it was shot back in the day, and and those are probably would have been the cleanest, best looking shots in the whole movie. That they go into the trees and they come down on something else. That stuff looked great cinematography, but there's some weird jarring effect to it. I don't understand what's going on with it. 
Uh, good gag at the end as well, without spoiling too much. It's not a completely laugh out loud funny movie, but it definitely does mix the horror and the jokes um, and, and kind of get the tone right. It never changes tone too much. Its tone is set in its, and it stays the same the whole time. There is some decent uh, gore gags in here where somebody melts, which was kind of cool. But the kills are not particularly great. Um, there's like one great kill, I'll say, involving some glass. And there's a decent amount of nudity in here. And there's some silly stuff happening all around. It's just something that doesn't interest me as much as I thought it would. It's, it's not particularly as funny as I thought it would be. Maybe because um, the timing might seem a little off to me or it's just it's not as... Maybe I just saw this one too late as well you know what I mean because I know all the tropes and I've seen movies that have done this for so long that seeing this one for the first time maybe I'm giving an unfair assessment but regardless I think it's worth checking out um I'm surprised I didn't like it as much with the little creature because he's cute he's fun and I love little creature movies but um this one just fell a little short for me don't don't hate it or anything like that and it looks pretty good I mean it's made 91 I, I'm not sure what it was shot on I don't know but it's definitely a low-budget film for sure, but uh, it might be worth checking out. I mean, it has some interesting ideas, and it's directed by the guy who did Black Room, which came out a couple years ago, which I actually really liked. I was surprised by that one. I thought that one um, had uh, a lot more to offer than I would expect. But, um, yeah, this is there's nothing out there. Let me get this straight. It's a house in the woods with, with four bedrooms, a pond, and nobody else for miles around. Name a horror film. Any horror film. This place is great. Where's the bedrooms? Why don't I take a nice stroll down that dirt path into the woods late tonight, all by myself? Ooh, I think I stepped on something. Then afterwards, I can go skinny dipping in the pond. I haven't seen anything. It's probably nothing. There is something out there. Don't forget, I have rented out every single horror film on videotape. It's driving me crazy. There's no need to worry. What are we talking about here? Those things that pop out of your stomach when you least expect it? Yes, I think you've seen some of these, too. There's no need to fear. There's nothing out there. That's where the rest of the chicken was. Yeah, no more than a few There's nothing out there. Did you hear something? Oh, I know I heard something. Because now it's in here. Where's Jim? Jim's in the other room melting right now. This can't be happening. You don't know anything about that creature except it, like everyone else, hates a mouthful of shaving cream. This can't be so. You're alive! Oh, you're quick. Nice bikini. This stuff only happens in movies. So you're saying we're in a movie? Uh-oh. Oh, where the hell did he go? Oh, oh, oh. Get out! Get out! This thing hasn't missed a trick. Controls minds, eats people, reproduces. This thing's gonna have itself an orgy. <laughs> It's a fight to the death with a slimy mutation. And that's how I spent my summer vacation. You see the creature? Give him my best. There's nothing out there. Well, this was a fun vacation, Nick. Too bad we have to go home now. From 20-year-old filmmaker Ralph Konevsky. Okay, the next one is from Scorpion Releasing. This is part of their MGM deal. And this is Curse 3 uh, Blood Sacrifice, or also known as uh, Panga, which uh, I think I had a, a Warner Archive or a, a something. Oh, I had a Laserdisc. I actually had a Laserdisc under Blood Curse, or Blood uh, Curse 3 Blood Sacrifice. 
this is a South African horror movie. And I was watching, I was like, oh, this is South African to a T. And I've yet to see a real great South African horror movie yet. And and this is no different. Uh, there's like, what is it, the Stay Awake or Headhunter? It's just like, they're not particularly great. I don't know why. Um, this one looks fairly decent. And uh, the remaster is actually okay on it. There is some, uh, um, you know, blue lines at certain times and some dark scenes. But hey, it's pretty, I imagine this movie wasn't a very big budget uh, film. Um, the plot of this movie, it, it's... Uh, takes place this like uh, these kind of I, I guess they're farmers they run this farm or this plantation kind of deal and uh they they have a lot of people working for them and uh one day they decide to go through this tribal area and they stop this sacrifice and this sacrifice uh, of a goat and this goat was supposed to be sacrificed uh, up into uh, for a god for this uh the loss of a a, a child um the, the shaman curses them and they start to get picked off by this uh, strange thing. You see like a machete chopping them up. And uh, we, we learn that this is some sort of creature, some sort of water creature through Christopher Lee. He's like the old doctor who's uh, kind of fascinated by this uh, folklore and mythology from this uh, tribe. So that's the setup of the movie. Uh, most of the deaths are completely off screen, which is kind of like, okay, why? Um, uh, and the after effects look pretty good. They squeeze in some nudity, which surprised me because this movie doesn't really seem like it would have some nudity. There's a couple oddball characters that I thought were kind of fun in here, like uh, the little girl and the grandmother. They are probably the best characters in the film. And there is a pregnancy involved with here as well. And, uh, you know, the curses on her and her child in some kind of strange way. All the characters, um, they I don't want to spoil too much, but they tend to die very quickly after the uh, murders start. Um, and it does take a little bit to get started. Um, the movie's not particularly great, and uh, Christopher Lee would say that The Howling 2 was the worst movie he was ever in, and I don't know if that's true. Curse, Curse 3 is also really ridiculous and not as fun as Howling 2, so I would put them kind of in the same boat, maybe. But uh, what Curse 3 does have going forward is a great monster at the end. And I was very impressed with this monster. I bought the movie just because I saw the monster, and I was like, was he from that? I gotta see that um and the curse movie the whole series is just all over the place the first one's like an hp lovecraft adaptation directed by actor david keith and produced by lucio fulci so you're like what the hell's going on there the second one has jamie farr in it and it's uh, about a man turning into a, a snake monster thing third one's about this curse and the fourth one i think is catacombs which i mentioned last week i think it actually is on blu-ray so and i do have it it's like part of the screen factor so that series is all crazy it's like name only sequels i guess but curse three is it's definitely the weakest one i've saw out of all of them maybe no curse one and three are about equal they're both not particularly great i think two is actually the better one i've seen but this one like i said there's not really any features on here there's some trailers and christopher lee's okay to watch he's fine um when the action at the end happens with a creature it's great but there's just not enough of it and i wish they showed him more because he looks really creepy he's he's one of the coolest uh gilman i guess i'll say that i've ever seen or amphibious kind of monsters he looks spectacular not as good as the monster squad one or the original creature but he's almost there he's good um maybe on the level of a sylphus or something like that but uh <laughs> different but i really liked uh, i liked uh, the monster design and at the end some some cool stuff happens it just doesn't have enough going for it and it comes kind of like in the mediocrity level kind of just serviceable and like tame middle of the road stuff like if you rented this as a kid and watched it it would it would be fine as like a stay up all night second feature out of like three or four so you you wouldn't remember much but you wouldn't hate it either in an ancient and enchanted land ritual and reason are about to collide you stop the ceremony you can't just trample over thousands of years of tradition to cause trouble. Hey! He's evil, isn't he? I thought Nyanga's were supposed to be 
people. A powerful family. What's going on here? They've already touched it. It's the Inyanga. See, it's a bad omen. A mysterious doctor. This is a ceremonial witch doctor's stick. Made in honor of Umoya Omube. <laughs> a curse that can only be paid back. We must leave calm. In blood. If you don't believe me, you are going to die too. When the Nyanga is in a trance, he can trap anyone he wishes to take revenge on. Nothing to be afraid of, Elizabeth. Then perhaps you'd like to explain the blood on your vest, Doctor. And now, between the unthinkable... You killed him! The drums beat, beat... And the unstoppable... What do you want? The wind begins to blow. The mystery... Storm rises. And the madness... When it reaches its peak, lies murder. Or worse. Christopher Lee, Jenny Lee Harrison, Curse 3, Blood Sacrifice. Okay, the next one is a Patreon pick from uh, the 22 shots of Moods and Whore Boys. Jeremy picked this one, and it is, uh, geez, I'm not going to be able to say this uh, director's name, but he did Amelie and City of Lost Children. This is Delicatessen. This is actually the second time I've seen this movie. I did watch it years ago, and I felt iffy on it, but uh, this time around, I enjoyed it much more. Maybe I'm smarter. Maybe I'm just more easygoing. I don't know, but uh, yeah, this is a French film that is a I guess a post-apocalyptic kind of weird world, and it's a cannibal film, but it's also a comedy. Uh, the first thing I can say about, well, Delicatessen, it's about this uh, kind of apartment, and it has this hierarchy where the butcher's kind of on top, and you guys know exactly what they're eating in this futuristic world when you can't even find rats to eat. But there's also this underground kind of group of people that are resistance. They eat vegetables. They're vegetarians. They kind of remind me of the people in Brazil, like, uh, what is it, uh, Robert De Niro's character is going through the tunnels and everything like that. So they're like the anti-society people. They live underground, and uh, they eat veggies. So this uh, circus, former circus performer um he's in a, the guy is in a bunch of stuff including legend of the holy drinker and i think he's in uh alien resurrection which is also by this director and he might be anomaly as well i'm sure he's in all those directors movies but he is a former circus uh performer that had some tragedy happen to him and he has nowhere to go so he decides to try to get a job as a handyman in this uh apartment where the butcher and everybody resides uh, he ends up getting that, but, uh, he might be next on the menu. That's kind of what we're going here. The butcher has a daughter that he, uh, I guess he, uh, is very overly possessive of. And the apartment is filled with all sorts of strange and weird characters, including, uh, uh, Howard Vernon, who's in a bunch of Jess Franco movies. And he kind of is this weird man that, uh, covers his room full of water and has frogs and snails that he lives off of kind of everywhere around there. So, and there's, uh, you know, a, a couple with, um, that are always kind of like, 
like fighting over food and a richer couple, one uh, who's always trying to kill herself and everything backfires in here. What's great about this movie is it's definitely doing the butterfly effect all the time and it has like everything has a rhythmic feel to it. So um, these characters are having sex upstairs and somebody's fixing something and somebody's playing violin and all of it connects and it creates its own rhythm. It creates its own, you know, kind of uh, feeling and music in the movie and that's really hard to do and it really is fun and it's really cool and it's showing how all these people are interconnected and they're all part of the same kind of music and dance or whatever you want to call it but it's really cool and clever and I know that guys like uh, Edgar Wright still do that and that's really cool stuff but he uses music and stuff in there but this is like creating the music and all these people are it's just really clever how they do it it's a dark comedy. It's very silly. At one point, one of the characters is being threatened with a butcher knife, and they're not. And the person says, "Scream, scream!" So somebody will come down and help them, and they can kill them. Um, the person refuses to scream until they see a spider on the ceiling, and that's when they scream. So it's just that's one of the silliest scenes in the entire movie. And I'm just like, "What the hell?" That's just uh, you know weird humor. But there's some really great set design. The building is kind of dilapidated and falling apart, and at the end, it completely crumbles at a certain point. But uh, it's just a really really cool movie and very unique and it's one of the weirdest cannibal movies um, I think I've seen to be honest and it, it's dark, com darkly comedic but also touching at points and very funny especially the woman who's always trying to kill herself and at the end uh, what actually happens uh, but there's always things uh, other people are doing that prevent her from killing herself but all these people are inter uh, mingled and they all have their own you know stories going on that all cross and meet and whatnot really interesting movie um looks great and uh very funny well acted no complaints here uh good stuff um that is uh, delicatessen
Okay, the next one is a double feature from Mill Creek, and this is Mind Warp and Brain Scan. Hopefully that focuses for you. I realize I got the autofocus on my face on this one, too. I am a screw-up today, guys. I am a miss-up. But uh, let's start with Mind Warp. This is a late 80s movie. i never seen Mind Warp. Um, yeah. This was also released by Twilight Time a while back, but I think that Blu-ray is out of print. This, like I said, the the double disc from like Mill Creek or the release from Mill Creek are always affordable, eight nine dollars. So if you don't want to take that big deep, you know, you fork over twenty thirty dollars for a Blu-ray and you want an HD, they're always a good way to buy them. But Mind Warp, this was a Fangoria Presents movie. And I actually had never seen this one. I'd heard years and years like, oh, this movie is junk. This movie is terrible. In reality, it's kind of like Total Recall. This actually was made in the 90s, not late 80s. Sorry about that. This was like a, a kind of a riff on Total Recall, and uh, The Matrix would use some of the same ideas later on. So it's in the future. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic world, and everybody kind of plugs themselves into this uh, virtual reality kind of or fake kind of world that it, it feels very Cronenberg. You plug it right in the back of your neck, and you're into whatever you want to do. Um, this doesn't feel... This this leads to emptiness in one of the characters. Uh, basically, a daughter whose father disappeared appeared and she's with her mother so they basically stay plugged in all the time that's not good enough for her and uh the machine that operates can can kind of sense this so it, it basically tells her you want a venture you want something different i'll show you something different and it, it tosses her out of the program into the real world so she wakes up in this post-apocalyptic wasteland that's similar to mad max and she's attacked by these weird gross mutants that look like they're wearing rejected freddy krueger mask or they're like leftover like a special effects freddy krueger mask so let's toss that on and we'll throw some extra warts on it and disguise the freddy mask and there's a bunch of these of course the only person who seemingly normal in this radioactive world is Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, of course, comes to her rescue. And this one's a little different. Bruce Campbell's not his typical goofy self, although he does get a little go a little crazy at the end. He feels more reserved and he feels more like a genuine action star, which I like seeing. Bruce Campbell's always solid, always good, and oh, good to great, always. So um, I wish I could say the same about the lead in this movie. In the very beginning, the lead's very shaky. When she starts to scream and getting put into more horrible places, she gets a little better. But in the beginning, I was like, this is pretty rough. So what happens is Bruce Campbell and uh, the lead in this movie get kidnapped by the underground mutants and they're thrown into this world. They dig these tunnels, so they pull them underground. They're, they're dug into this world where... She uh, is going to be, I think, uh, put into this weird kind of uh, place where they're going to suck out like, and make her force breeding because they can't breed anymore because everybody's impotent because of the radioactivity. And Bruce Campbell's forced into labor by these weird, like the weird creatures. Uh, meanwhile, what's going on here is that in the water, there's these weird uh, parasitic creatures. There's two, a male and a female, and they get in your body and uh, they eventually lay uh, worms in your brain. So that's going on at the same time. Um, the lead in here figures out that the leader of these monsters is not somebody that she doesn't know. Spoiler, kind of. Not spoiling too much. Uh, it's played by Angus Scrim, who's wearing this Leatherface mask, uh, this Leatherface-style mask. And Angus is great at this movie. So um, it, it's cheap. It's low budget, you can tell. But there's some really cool concepts in here. And uh, the idea that it is kind of like Total Recall, but also the <laughs> Matrix seems like it stole from it. And everybody's like, the Matrix is the greatest movie ever made. And you know, it's probably stealing from just Philip K. Dick stories in general. But so we have that going. And then we have 
a nice little post-apocalyptic deal going at the same time. We have Bruce Campbell. We have Angus Scrim. It's like, come on. That's that's kind of cool. And on top of that, we got some gnarly gore. I'm not kidding. There's like head choppings and dismemberment, dismemberments and almost like over-the-top splatter. Like, not dead alive caliber over-the-top, but it, it tries. It, it has an honest attempt at being gory and splatter-filled. It has some fun effects. It has people getting ground up. I was happy with this. You know, the ending is predictable. You know that kind of thing is going to happen and all you can do is roll your eyes. But they set that up right from the beginning. So if somebody's like, you know, I don't really like hold that. It's not like it was the best movie ever and it was so deep and meaningful and then it gets to the end and I'm like, oh, come on. But I, you know it's going to happen. That kind of sets up for that kind of deal when they're doing that kind of virtual reality thing. And it's kind of funny that it's paired up with brain scan, of course, with that, you know. But I was happy with it. I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, nice to see Bruce Campbell lose his shit at the end uh, and some really fun effects involving the worms uh, and some gross baddies that get stabbed and hacked and chopped into pieces and cannibalism. But it's just, it's fun. It's not a perfect movie, but you knew that. It's something that you'd watch on the Sci-Fi Channel in the 90s and be pleasantly surprised. Like, hey man, I just watched Doll Man vs. Demonic Toys, Seed People, and Mind Warp, and it was a pretty good Sunday afternoon. Or it was, I was sick at home from school and I watched a bunch of sci-fi movies on the Sci-Fi Channel. I used to love the Sci-Fi Channel. That's before the <laughs> CGI kind of took it over. But I'm just being a hater right there. But Mind Warp, check it out. It's You could do worse. It's fun. Was born. Everyone gets exactly what they want. Everything is fake. The human race split apart. The lucky ones went to Inworld. The rest were left behind. You're an Inworlder. What the hell is happening? Crawlers got you. Cannibals, growing home. For one woman, trapped in the universe of her own mind, there's only one way. What do you want? To escape. All I want is there's something real. <laughs> Turn on. Out Plug in. Drop out. Mind warp. Part dream, part nightmare, the ultimate head trip, mind war. Okay, the next one, I'm going to do Vacations of Terror 2. Okay, I watched both of them. I couldn't leave it. Same year, 89, different director. Um, So yeah, but stars the same guy, but... One of the same guys, but he's not playing the same character. He basically is this kind of uh, strange guy who's into like occult items. He buys weird things like amulets and jewels and everything like that. This famous pop singer comes into his house, uh, comes into his store, and he kind of follows her out. And he's like, hey, and they, they, he gets invited to go to a, his that pop star's little sister's birthday party thrown out, thrown by their like big time director dad. So he's going to go, but... Uh, 
there's this weird drive-by that they have this weird kind of, they have the doll from the first movie in their car. And this old man who's crazy realizes that and runs into his store and says, did you see that doll? And starts tearing apart his whole store and everything like that. Wanderers in the street gets hit by a car. The, the young man realizes he's got to go to that party and find that doll that's going to be used in a prop in a movie. And, uh, you know, of course, the little girl has, you know, the, the, has hanging out with the doll and everything like that carrying it around so he's got to go there and you know get this doll and destroy it so that's his only connection is it's the same freaking doll even though it has the same actor what happens is they have this whole little like uh this film set set up like a weird spooky kind of ha- halloween thing so it's a uh, it's mexico telling halloween and they don't celebrate halloween like we do and, and you know what i mean i don't believe so you know day of the dead is a different thing than you know halloween and everything so and this is a completely weird thing. Like they have it set up like an American like Halloween set and everything like that. Kind of like hack lantern like how you have somebody who's foreign kind of exploring the idea of Halloween. I think that's a little bit like this too, but not, not as dramatic as hack lantern which I love. So uh, what happens is we see this uh, long number of the daughter, the pop star singer, singing a song that's like chica, chica. And it was stuck in my head for like two days. The best part of the movie. She gives this whole giant speech and there's all these people in the crowd dancing with Frankenstein mask on. And there's this like prop ghost that's supposed to be a decoration and it looks like it's dancing with the music and i just was like (laughs) it's really funny and really entertaining and very memorable but then what happens is of course there's this cake and the doll is under the table and it reaches up and it steals this little clown ornament on the cake and eats it in a weird fact it's like i'll shoot the dolls i'll shoot so then the doll turns into this little clown creature I mean, this little, um, it's not a clown, it's a witch, sorry, sorry. It turns into this little witch, it's all practical, it's really slimy. So they're like, we don't want to do a doll anymore, let's do a witch. So it's this little witch creature who has these powers running around this weird Halloween town, and they're trying to survive, the director dad comes, and everybody's trying to stop them because the kids get sucked in these weird portals with these coins and everything like that, and they try to have to stop them, and it's running around this town being attacked by this little witch thing. It's entertaining, it's a little better than the first one, even though it's completely different than the first one. There's, you know, some, uh, you know... I remember being cool special effects and cool ideas and everything like that. And uh, and at points, uh, there's a real brutal death in this moment. I was like, what was the point of that death? Because this movie's pretty much PG-13 or PG, and then there's just like death of a special effects guy that doesn't deserve it. And I was like, that's out of, out of the place, kind of. But um, uh, not that it matter to me, but it, it's entertaining and weird and kind of goofy. But there is like a nice little happy ending. I don't know if they're continuing to carry on these vacations of terror because this really isn't a vacation, you know? I don't know what's going on here. But it's weird, uh, and I don't really know what to say. You know, it's basically them fighting this witch in this Halloween uh, set prop for the whole movie. (laughs) It has its moments. It's kind of entertaining. Again, the camera works cool, and they're very inventive with their things. Kind of Sam Raimi-ish, to be honest, like that kind of deal going on. But I, I would recommend checking these out if you can find it. It's a nice set. Like I said, it's got one, two, three, four, five, six movies on it. So, yeah, three discs, six film set. I definitely would check these out. Maybe I'll watch the rest of them, too, on here. So, yeah, there's got to be more than one volume of this. So, yeah, that is The Crypt of Terror. Health. Horror from South of the Border, Volume 1. That's Vacations of Terror 2. Estrella de mi próxima película. Mi hija Mayra, que cantará para todos ustedes.
Gracias. Bueno, ya es un poquito tarde y mi papá se muere de hambre. Sí, y yo creo que todos nosotros también. Entonces ahora me toca a mí presentarles la nueva sorpresa de esta noche. ¡El pastel! Okay, this next one here, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say about it, but this is Revenge of Billy the Kid. I've always wanted to see this damn thing. I finally just bit the bullet and paid for the out-of-print DVD a few months back, maybe a, maybe a year ago at this point. 1991, I believe it's a British horror film, but I swear to God I would have thought this was a new one from New Zealand if, nobody, if somebody didn't tell me different or I didn't read it. Um, so yeah, this feels exactly like early Peter Jackson. Not as good as Bad Taste or Meet the Feebles of Dead Alive, but it's definitely in the same school of early Peter Jackson. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, yeah. We have this uh, family that's isolated on an island. They're farmers. They're the McDonald family. They're so uh, All the kids are named, uh, there's two Ronalds, and then there's a Ronnie who's a girl. So they're all named Ronald McDonald, and they're farmers. It's hilarious, yes. Uh, goofy, that kind of goofy, you know what I mean? So we have this really gross family, three kids, a mom and a dad, and a grandpa. And uh, they're farmers, yada, yada, yada. They're really gross. You see how they live. They're over-the-top, ridiculous, kind of backwoods characters. Right in the beginning, the grandpa dies. His face falls at a plate of food they fight over the food after he's dead and then they throw him in a big compost pile of shit and mud and just leave him there and throughout the entire movie he is constantly rotting and it, it's kind of a funny gag I, I laughed out loud quite a bit and the first half of this movie I was laughing by the second half I kind of think it wore out its welcome but what happens is the father one day taking the sheep or goat or it's uh yeah Billy it's like a, a sheep or goat whatever the hell it is she's kid I'm getting confused here is it a goat I think it's a goat man um or a sheep man hmm they call a kid I'm getting whatever it's a sheep goat thing I don't fucking remember um basically what happens is the father's walking with uh it's goat it's goat because drinking goat's milk duh okay with his goat and uh, he decides to molest it. So he molests um, the goat, and uh, a couple nights later, or whenever it happens, six months later, whenever goats are born, um, gives birth to this weird, gross goat thing. Uh, the father wants to kill it, everyone's appalled by it, but the daughter takes a liking to it and sticks up for it and saves Billy the Kid. So, uh... Yeah, this leads to this like first part where the, the creature is like a little creature running around and causing problems and eating chickens. And I actually think that stuff is really funny. I like it when it's a little creature. I think it's well done. I think it's almost cute in a repulsive way. But, uh, you, know, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. It starts to attack and the family hates it. So, you know, there's some gory things encountering the, you know, the, the monster and stuff like that. And it becomes a versus kind of monster movie. Uh, the girl also has a love story back on the mainland. And uh, this also, you know, back in there, you see like a poster of Evil Dead on the wall of her boyfriend. And you can see that's a huge, uh, you know, inspiration for this movie definitely inspired by splatter films which is like i say peter jackson or sam raimi stuff you know so it's definitely inspired by that kind of element but um you know it's just a little too goofy at times although like i said the jokes are funny in the beginning i actually enjoyed a lot of the stuff happening within the first you know um 45 minutes but after a while i just kind of you know wear out my wears out my welcome there were some nice like shots of, of them like in the foreground you'll see in the background like um the outhouse getting taken out and somebody in there and stuff like that. Um, some of the gore effects are, you know, uh, they just people getting pulled up and blood falling down, which is okay. But then there's some really nasty after effects. 
um, that are good. So all in all, I think it's worth mo watching. The monster looks great. I really enjoy the look of the monster, especially when he's little. When he gets bigger, he's all right, too. And this is the only movie I think I've seen about a goat man like this kind of goat man. I know there is one um, by, geez, what's that director's name who did IBS and stuff? He did one with a goat man, I think. But uh, this one, yeah, it, it's fun. It's goofy. It's gory. It's really dumb. It looks really dirty and gross. Um, kind of make you queasy. If you really, really love um, early uh, Peter Jackson stuff, then uh, maybe give it a look. I do myself. I don't think it lives up to those movies, but I do think it's worth checking out. And again, I saw a crummy DVD. It didn't look particularly great. It was a dark movie. So maybe if this was cleaned up, maybe I could even get more sick from it. So I don't know. Revenge of Billy the Kid. Really weird. This is a story from far away in the depths of England where the McDonald family live. Meet Giles and Greta McDonald. Daughter Ronald. I've told you before, it's Ronnie. Oh, quick. Boyfriend Lance a lot. Thanks. The brothers Ronald. So long, and that was Grandpa McDonald. Just peaceful country folks scraping a living as best they can. Oh, quick, run sleep it in. <laughs> Is that it? What that goat needs is a good saying to. <laughs> Where are you going to town for a stud? Oh, fucking mainland. Fucking women. Fucking goats. <laughs> my, my. You're a pretty one. That one night, Billy drops in on the family. He's a freak, a mutant. Now he's on the loose, and he's out for revenge. He's out there. He's hungry, and he's nowhere to stay. And now he's killing the McDonald family. And there's only one person who can save them. I come to trouble. Just my girl. The revenge of Billy the Kid for animal lovers everywhere.